Hi, all of you beautiful people. I'm Tony. I'm a compulsive overeater and restrictor. Um, ugh. I um, so thankful to be here. I'm just so um, intensely thankful to be here. I um, I have a meeting in another program, so this is only my second time at this meeting, and um, yeah, I'm just really. I'm really glad to be here and see faces that I know and people that I don't know. And um, I'm thankful for everyone in this room. Um, Before I get into the stuff, um, I think that one of the things that's one of the greatest gifts that I didn't know before I got into program was um, the amount of humor and levity that there can be in my life because, um, and also in program. Because for me, especially before I came and when I was very early, everything was very heavy and very serious. And it was, shit was not funny to me. There was nothing funny about how much food I think I needed to stuff into my face, how much weight I needed to lose, how soon it needed to happen. None of that was funny. It was all very dire. And when I called my sponsor last night and told her I was, um, the feelings I was having about sharing, um, we got to laugh about the ego and the fear and whatever. And then it, it gets, it just gets alleviated. When I get to laugh at my shit, when I get to laugh at myself, it is so intensely healing. You know, when I get to hear somebody else (coughs) say the crazy stuff that I used to do with with food, with others and relationships or whatever, and I get to, there's this rule about comedy that we laugh out of um, recognition about something or the ridiculousness of it. And that's one of the things in the true gifts of this program that I, you know, that I didn't know. And for me, when um, I talk to newcomers and then, you know, they keep coming back and after a period of time, they start to laugh too. That's when I really feel like you're starting to cook with gas. Like that's when HP is really starting to come in. Um, So that's one little thing. Okay. So what it was like, um, I, um, from a very young age, I felt like I needed to fill a hole that I didn't know really, like, the nature of how it existed, but I just knew that food uh, made me feel better. And so I honestly don't know if other kids do the thing of cracking the door open while your mom is in watching the TV and like Vietnam crawl across the floor to like get into the kitchen and like how quiet, like how much light seems out from the refrigerator door to like get in and then get back in your bedroom and like like that's a mission accomplished and you're like pumping your fist like oh I did it um I don't know I don't know what other kids do I just know that that's something that went on for me um often and um I um I also this kind of message that I received growing up um was to be to be an empowered kick-ass woman but also, if the food that you make 
and the gifts that you give others are not perfect, then you're done. Um, so it was very much this like dichotomy of like Black Panther and Donna Reed and the, um, it was um, it was kind of confusing. But that's what I um, that's kind of what I grew up with. And it wasn't until I was older that my mom um, talked about when she was in college and. Um, she was bulimic and she would throw up and then she would eat um, ice cream and then throw up so that she'd have room for more ice cream and um, that kind of thing. And it didn't click for me later of like, oh, I come by this honestly, good to know. Um, and that behavior also fed, in, fed pun intended, into um, other areas of life. Like she had told me that um, when she was in New York and she was um, wanting to be an actress and a dancer, that um, she had come home one day and her refrigerator was bare and she had this moment like from Gone with the Wind where she felt like she was standing and shaking her fist to the sky, I'll never go hungry again. <laughs> and um, she gave up on acting and dancing and she went to law school because she felt like she never wanted to see an empty refrigerator again. And um, I... The perspective and the gratitude that I have about that is what is or is not in the refrigerator is not a measure of my self-worth for today. And that um, the light I have inside me and the gifts I have inside me are not connected to what is or is not in the refrigerator. And that thing of... um, I've gone to the refrigerator for answers, and I've looked, and time and time again, the answers are not in the fridge. I keep opening the door, and they're not in the fridge. And I just remember, this also goes into like what it, some of what it was like when I was babysitting. I just I spent so much in the before I was spent so much time in the kitchen. So it's like uh, it's like I was preparing kids snacks. I was not. I was <laughs> like. I was, you know, mulling over what I was going to, what, either what food I was going to try and sneak to take home with me or what I was going to overeat of theirs. And then the kids' food of, like, the mac and cheese and, oof, I just, that was, babysitting and triggering foods for me were, like, just inexplicably linked. Um, and um, it's funny, I'm actually going babysitting to babysit later on today. And that's, for today, that's not... Um, not anything that goes on. Um, so, okay, so there, there was some of when I was a kid, and then when I got into college, I did that thing of, like, just having a, a, a spree, like, with, with food. Um, and I gained, I don't, I, I don't know. It was maybe 20. It was maybe 25. It might have been 30. I honestly don't know. There was, a, there was another chin on my face that hadn't been there before. <laughs> so, um, so, so there was that. And then, um, and then right, after, right after college, I got into a relationship, which was like my first big relationship, and I didn't know, I didn't know what to, I didn't know what to do. I just felt, I knew in myself that, oh my God, this person likes me. Oh my God, this person loves me. I have to do anything and everything to make this person stay. And I felt very certain that I am so damaged that 
no one else will love me. So therefore, if I found this one person, then I, this is it. And, um, and unfortunately, I had that message reinforced to me. So that was not good. But, um, yeah, so the relationship, um, there, there's definitely stuff that was on my side of the street. Um, and especially when the, where the food came into it was like, we may not have had a lot of money for groceries, but more of that money went for food for me than it definitely went, you know, for him. Um, and uh, the yeah, so the relationship was emotionally abusive and verbally abusive, and then it got physical towards the end. And um, and I had this teeny tiny part of me that knew that I deserved better and that this was not good. But that part of me, I just literally kept stuffing down with food. I could not, I knew that if I listened to that voice, then I would make a choice that I was not ready for. I was, or if I was ready for, I was terrified of making. And I remember I had, uh, we had this fight where, uh, we had this fight where I had made muffins for the people in the office. And he didn't like that I didn't leave muffins for him. And so he took one of the muffins and he literally shoved it in my face. And then he, like, pushed me across the room. And I took my apartment keys and I left. And I remember I was shaking because I had nothing on me. I had nothing. Like, I was just like, I just know that I need to, I'm going to, I'm going to leave. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to call my mom, but I have to go back in the apartment. I just, and, um, and that was not the last straw. Like that was not. <laughs> that was not it. So the gift is that there there was a that tiny voice inside me that you knew that this was not okay. Um, I got to I got to listen to that, and I. Um, you know, I, I was referencing my mom and. Um, The thing is, I'm so, um, I don't know how to say this, but I'm just going to say, I'm so unfortunately grateful for what I've learned from her. And I knew what choices she had made, and there were some that I did not want to make. So I knew that part of what was going on, of me staying in this relationship and whatever, is because I needed to, I needed to just get, get out and it wasn't just it wasn't just the relationship. It was Phoenix, Arizona. I now have many feelings about that city, and um, so I needed. There was um, I wasn't. It's not only that I wasn't present. I wasn't honoring all of who I am. And one of my things, as I've gotten here, is that um, when I disconnect from myself, the giving up and abandonment of myself that's when um, things get crazy. So um, I, um, I left the relationship, I moved to New York, and over the course of like post-college and being in that relationship, I had developed uh, chronic migraines, where I was getting a migraine on a daily basis. 
And um, as, not kidding, as soon as I landed in New York, they decreased about mm, a good 30% because I started to live a more authentic life. I started to actually honor myself. And so one of the things I've learned is that um, my body knows. My body knows and my body reacts. And there's a truth that my, I cannot ignore because my body will talk to me. And my body will start talking to me in all caps in ways that cannot be ignored. So it is not a coincidence that when I was going through a period of my life where I was depressed and anxious and trying so fucking hard to pretend that I was okay, my body reacted and I started having migraines on a daily basis. My body was definitely talking to me and there was this part of my soul that was aching to be heard. Um, Anyway, so I get to New York, I start um, meeting with um, a life coach, and um, I'm talking about the food and talking about the food, and this is the time in my life where I am working four jobs and going to acting school, and because I think that this is all part of the hustle of New York and how you're supposed to do things, and I didn't know this is just crazy, and um, <laughs> I start going to this life coach, and I tell her that one of the, the chief things I want to work on is start honoring my voice and expressing it. Because for so long I had been, again, physically shoving, shoving food down my throat to not honor my voice. So she starts talking to me about maybe OA would be a good place for me to go. And then um, I have um, a bestie who actually qualified at this meeting some, a couple months ago. And she would call me and it was, she was on her way to a 7.30 a.m. meeting, you know, so I was on the East Coast, but when she would call me at that time, I thought that she was on her way to the hospital because it was so early, her time, and I was so accustomed to her being sick that when she was calling to say, oh, no, I'm just on my way to a meeting, blah, 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 I was like, what, what in the hell is happening? And I kind of thought she was in a cult, but some of the things that she was talking about made a little bit of sense. So between those two things, I started going to um, meetings in New York, and I just, there's so much I did not understand. I was like, how is it that when people just talk about their things for three minutes, we're supposed to recover from this? There should be somebody who's, there should be a therapist that sits at the front of the room and looks at each person and says, this is what's wrong with you, this is what's wrong with you, this is what's wrong with you, this is what you're supposed to do. And then this person just shared about their chemo, how am I supposed to talk about after that person, just like, this means nothing. So what, what is any of this? Um, anywho, so I, um, I started turning over food to a sponsor. Um, I started, you know, talking in meetings. I started being of service. Um, and I, uh, bit by bit, started to have more just space in my head and in my heart because the, um, the noise started to quiet down because there was so much noise in my head about the next meal, the next snack, how my body isn't enough, how much weight can I lose before this audition, and, um, and, and how can I restrict this meal, and, and, I'm, and some of the you know, stuff that I had done, like I remember there's a um, woman I was friends with, and there was this thing I had coming up, and I wanted to lose weight so quickly, and she had this um, artichoke essence that came in these glass vials, <laughs> and um, it was it was a diuretic, and it was an appetite suppressant. And I um, I if and I broke one open because 
to and I to you know to get this artichoke whatever and um, and I still have the scar on my hand from where I gashed open my finger and blood was everywhere but of course what mattered to me was this artichoke essence that I needed to ingest so that I would not have an appetite and you know then lose 20 pounds in three days or whatever <laughs> because that would mean something and um, and I know I've said this before, there are people who've heard me say this before, but it's just, but to me, honestly, it was that the number on the scale was a worth of how, who I was as a human being, and I would look down at that scale, and it wouldn't even say a number. It would say, yes, Tony, today you are enough, or no, Tony, guess what? You're a piece of shit. Like, that's what the scale would have said, and, um, and I honestly believed that if I reached a certain number, if I was, then the things in my life that I wanted were just going to appear. So, like, the man of my dreams was going to hop out from behind a bush, and he was going to say, hey, Tony, I was just waiting for you to weigh 115 pounds, but really, I mean, I'm going to settle for that, but really 112 would have been good, or 110 is my ideal, but this is what I'll go for, and this is fine, and then, like, somebody would come walking forward with a giant lottery check, and, like, all of these things would have come if only I could have managed the weight. So, um... Working program, turning over food, um, and it was just uh, bit by bit. And one of the things that I um, I struggled with um, in understanding with the third step was if there's so many difficult things that are going on in the world, droughts, refugees, you know, endangered species getting wiped off the planet, climate change, all of these things. How is it that God, power greater than myself, can care about the food that's on my plate or whether I go to the ice cream or take this diuretic or whatever? And my um, sponsor um, had said to me that if I can believe that my purpose in this world is to be a source of light and love and that food is getting in the way of me doing that, then that's why God cares. Um, and that's something that I have um, continued to hold on to. Um, so some of the tools that I use um, imperfectly, turning over, I, have, I now have a step sponsor and a food sponsor, um, and I turn over food to the food sponsor, and when I email her, um, I also send her what my food is going to be for the next day. And for me, it's kind of um, general. So, like, if I don't know specifically, I'll just say a starch, protein, and a vegetable. Um, thank you. Um, and um, I have three meals and optional snacks. And I also tell her what I'm thankful for, three things that went well in my day, and what character asset of mine contributed to that and ways in which I was of service in that day. And that could be, like, I let somebody go in front of me in line at the grocery store, or it could be I actually showed up to work today. I'm not saying I don't show up to work today, but, you know. <laughs> or but like, you know, sometimes I don't, I, I don't need to go into that. Anyway, so um, that's one of the things. Um, I pray before I eat. Um, I get on my, imperfectly, I get on my knees. I say an extended version of, the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Grant me patience for things that take time, tolerance for those with different struggles, and the strength to get up and try again one day at a time. 
I say steps one, two, and three. I, I say, God, I admit that I am powerless over fear of perfectionism and the compulsion to make myself feel like a piece of shit. Um, and the reason why I say those is because to me it's not the food. And also those three things I just mentioned, they're all fear. You know, I really could just say fear, but that's the, the thing that works for me. Um, it's, it's not the, uh, the other ways in which I act out. It's not they're just they're just whatever I happen to use. It really all just does come down to fear. Um, thanks to working this program, I've gotten into another program that has opened up my life exponentially. Um, one of the other things that I find funny is that as I've been in this program, I have grown. And when I say grown, I mean I have actually, like, in the time that I've been in, I have, I am taller than when I, you know, like, I, I actually experienced physical growing pains last night. I am past the age that most people do that. Um, so it's not a coincidence to me that I'm going through a phase that feels very uncomfortable in the growing pains, and then I actually had physical growing pains. So keep coming back. I am now five foot four and a half, so I'm very proud of that. Um... <laughs> Those, you know, and what's shifting for me now is that I'm, um, one of the things that was told to me was um, my body is not my business. And due to the creative field that I'm in, that was something that I struggled so hard with because when I'm showing up in, you know, to put myself on camera or whatever, and you say my body is not my business, that made zero sense to me because to me it was it, precisely my body is my commerce. My body is the thing that someone will write a check to me for. And what I came to understand and believe is that if I am so focused on how my body is looking and on the obsession and on the food, I don't have space to connect to another person. I don't have space to connect to words on a page. I don't have space to be that channel, just like I was talking about with the third step. And so whatever shape my body is in, it won't make a difference because I'm not giving. Um, and the, the soul and the energy and the character that I bring you know, to that work, um, it's going to be inconsequential. Um, and I say that because I was just watching some, I, I had a miraculous experience where I was seeing some work that I did on screen and I got to look at myself like a, a friend. And I got to look at this friend of mine who has my same name and tell her that I'm so proud of her. And I love her curves, I love her hair, and I love the work that she did. And And when I hear people say things like, how can you be your own best friend? Or I had somebody say to me, um, imagine that you had a friend on Facebook and she just posted something about something great that her boyfriend did for her. Whatever that is, do it for yourself. And I was like, oh my God, you're right. I'm getting flowers right this instant. Because <laughs> my imaginary boyfriend named Tony is just fantastic. <laughs> the best boyfriend. Um, and then one last thing I want to share. Thank you. Um, 
in terms of the spiritual transformation is that um, I've got to I've reached this place that I um, have been wanting to reach for a couple decades now of actually being authentically happy and solid in myself and being single instead of saying with reverse psychology oh no I'm okay with it <laughs> but secretly be like but really though <laughs> I want someone right now um, to act to truly feel that and know that in my core and that whenever this person's going to come to me it's fine um, it's worth more than all the tea in China so that's it thanks for watching <laughs> This is the time for questions only. There's no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Uh, please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. Thank you for asking that. The question is how to tell um, if I'm eating out of stress or genuine hunger. Um, girl. <laughs> um, there, there are a couple things. So one, there's halt, hungry, angry. Am I hungry? Or, or is it? Is it a hungry, angry, lonely, tired, right? I love when I'm trying to list it and I can't. Anyway, so, um, and a friend of mine likes to say, um, in, in, in a, not just the hungry, hormonal, angry, lo- lonely, tired. Because um, uh, that's, that's a real conditioning factor. So, um, so I, I check those. I also, um, I also get quiet and I, I pray. Um, and I'll send an outreach text I, I'm really glad that I live in the age of texting to be in program I'm very thankful I'm glad that I'm not having to call and then hope somebody reaches a payphone in time to like pick up the phone but um, that's you know that's the thing because um, I find that when I make that outreach it allows me enough of a pause to let the God voice come in and then I can um, then I can listen accordingly yeah. uh, have you ever had a problem um, ordering food online or over the phone and having it delivered uh, to where you live the question is, um, had a problem with ordering food online and having it delivered to where I live. Um, uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to hope it's okay to talk about specific foods. So, I'm, I, I, um, so over the past year, gluten has been a thing that I can now eat. And I didn't. I had an allergy to it, and now it's not. It's not a thing. So now I can have ramen, which can be delivered. And I'm like, just 
There's this little thing that gets me so excited. So um, the problem that I had was that it was not arriving in the time that I wanted and needed to arrive. So um, when I used the, the service, the, of I, it was taking a lot of HP for me to understand that it was not this person's fault of whenever the kitchen was preparing it and to be kind to that person when they arrived with my food because what I wanted to tell her was you were about to cause me a migraine for when I need to eat this food I needed this food to do understand that's not her problem you know I also could have eaten some nuts or something like that in the meantime before that food arrived that's the that is one of the things that has gone on for me um, the um, kind of like ease of just being able to order something and it arrives um, I um, I kind of look at as a gift of self-care because there are times when um, the food prep is not going to happen for me. And, I, and I'm not joking in terms of like my head is very sensitive in a way that like I, I need to eat on these, you know, on these intervals, right? Um, because there's a domino effect. And um, so I'm thankful that you know, on my way home, there's a place that I can call and that kind of thing. Um, but one of the, to also to answer with that, if it's not on my food plan, if it's not something that I haven't pre-committed to my food sponsor, I do my best to text her and say, hey, instead of this, I'm going to do this. So that at least, and it's not a judgment thing, so that at least I'm being honest and clear about it. Yeah. If you're open to like friends outside of OA about your struggles and your recovery, or is that something you keep like just here? Love that question. Uh, the question is, if I'm um, open with friends um, outside of OA about my struggle, just my struggle, or like what I'm doing with it. Yeah. Um, ish. <laughs> and that's the end of the answer. No, I'm kidding. Um, I sort of um, talk around it, is what I do. Um, I, you know, I, um, when I hear um, a lot of diet talk, I don't, I don't engage. Um, and sometimes I will shift to whoever's talking about it how can I lift them I love that shirt you're wearing you know I you, you, you look fantastic today I, you know I hear that and I just want you to know that you look amazing um, and Sometimes I'll say, you know what, I do, used to do stuff like that, but it just doesn't work for me anymore. Because I found that um, I could try a million of those, and it really came down to loving myself. Because I, I have experienced physical recovery in this program um, in, a, in a way that I... If I had, I never was able to before with the white knuckling and that kind of thing. So with friends and people that are outside of it, 
you know, I'll talk about how I found a spiritual solution that works for me. And then if they want to know more, then they can, you know, then they can ask. Um, and there, and it's not something I'm necessarily guarded, guarded about, but I'm just um, kind of aware. And then when I hear the flags of someone saying exact reasons why I came into program and repeatedly, um, I pray for the willingness to carry the message. But for me, that's like a, it's a, that's a slower process over time. And I actually, I have a friend who's throwing up those flags and I'm praying for the willingness to be seen and say to this person in whatever way, in whatever time IHP has for me to say like, hey, if you want to know more, this is, I used to do that stuff and that it's shifted for me now. So yeah. Hi. Thank you so much for your love you. And you're one of the people who's helped me and really got connected with the program. Um, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about your relationship with your higher power and how it's changed. Thanks. Uh, thanks for asking. Love you too. Um, the question is about my relationship with my higher power and how it's changed. Um, so when I was growing up, my, um, you know, religion, God notion changed about three times for, <laughs> for um, it was, so my father was Jewish, so we did, so my mom would take me to synagogue sometimes, and then, um, but then we would also go to this Episcopalian church, and then we became Baha'is, so I did that for a long time, and, um, and then we and then we weren't Baha'is, and then I went for I went through a period when I was really low of being. I was just like, never mind, I'm out with the God thing. I'm just I'm I'm gonna say I'm atheist, but I didn't really totally believe that. I was just depressed um, because at the core of my being, I know that I don't mean to make so light of depression, but at the core of my being, I know that I feel better, and I'm a person who believes in a spiritual, I'm a spiritual person, I believe in a connection to a power greater than myself, when I look up at the stars, and I feel that feeling of awe and wonder, like, I, I know that I am tiny, and I love that, um, so, um, getting into program, um, the, I, borrowed somebody's HP and it's been working for me for a long time and that is I heard someone I heard the life coach I was talking about she talked about um, uh, she listens to her GPS and for her GPS stands for a great pussy in the sky <laughs> and that's my um, that's my HP so for me my HP is this glowing juicy wonderful source of love from whom all positive things flow and is always there for me and is just just sparkly and lovely and um because i've gone through these different changes in thought of and belief in the past when i have heard um, about you need a different HP I'm like okay I've changed it before maybe I'll change it again um, but that's so for today the, the GPS continues to be the thing that works for me and, the, and part of the reason why is because um, the more that um, I've deepened my 
spiritual connection because I was I talked about connecting to my voice, right? So for me, it's the head, the heart, and the the soul. And what, when I'm in line with those, and when I'm listening to those, it really honestly does feel like this guiding source that I can hear inside me that is this direction or this and it really is like a turn by turn direction um, and it's, it's a lot more instinctual and I know that for myself the times that I've gotten so angry at myself and I've turned to destructive ways of handling it it's because I wasn't at the core of it I was mad at myself for not listening to my intuition and now um, that connection to that intuition is uh, stronger. So that's it. Okay, five minutes. Yes. Thank you, Jenny. Would you talk about what you do on a daily basis The question is what I do on a daily basis for that connection. Um, I pray like a mofo. Um, <laughs> I... Um, um, I also make outreach calls and one of the things I love about an outreach call is that when I had received guidance um, about making three outreach calls there's a certain um, magic that I find in that and one of them is that it's um, I get to leave a message for some I leave a voicemail and um, by the time I'm done leaving voicemails, I realize that there's a story I'm telling myself, and I, there's something in that story I don't like, and I can change that. I can flip that into a positive story. It also, by the time I've made three calls, I've, there's enough pause that has come in, enough time has passed that breath has dropped in and a pause has come in that I can then listen to the God voice. Or maybe somebody calls me back after I've made those three calls and my HP speaks to me through that other person. Um, or after I've made those three calls, then the, in, then the intuition tells me to just continue to just be quiet. So in terms of deepening that connection, for me there are things that, whether it's meditation, which I do, I meditate in the morning and in the evening, and it could be for two minutes, it could be for 20 minutes, but those are, that's something that I do. When that doesn't work, not like it's a you know, quick fix or whatever, but um, I also have meditations that are two minutes or three minutes that I can do during, uh, in the middle of the day. Um, I, I take dance breaks. Like I'll give myself a five-minute dance break because it really is about like physically connecting to <coughs> what's, going on because I you know if the bulk of my life at this point has, has been spent not connecting to my body then whatever I the thing that's in the opposite direction is to connect to my body and so for me dance and movement is a way that I do that and just like actually feeling this skin that I'm in um, yeah and sometimes it's taking a walk and looking at hummingbirds and feeling the breeze yeah the question was about having two sponsors how do I like it how do I work with it um, the way that it came about was I had a sponsor the sponsor that I started with in New York 
when I moved to LA, I needed to do, I needed to, uh, she was working, um, she wasn't as available as I needed in terms of my step work and we were doing Skype and whatever schedule wise. And so um, I've had such a long and enduring relationship with her that I wanted to keep that. And when I was looking for a new sponsor here, the one that I reached out to does not talk about, she doesn't get into the food. She only talks about working the steps and, um, uh, and how you're doing. So for me, I'd been so accustomed to turning over the food and I'd heard other people talk about having a food sponsor and having a step sponsor. And I was like, okay, well, maybe this is what works. So I can have two people. Great. Maybe I'll do that. And so that's why, that's why and that's how it works. So with the one on the East Coast, I still email her. I still text her. And I'll still call her to check in. It's just not as frequent. And the step sponsor that I have here is one that I that also goes to one of my home meetings and so I get to physically see her on a frequent basis um, and then I um, call her you know regularly to check in or with outreach and that kind of thing so um, but with the step sponsor it's just that it's not that I can't talk about the food with her you know I will I'll, you know I'll mention it but it, our conversations more often are, this is what happened at work this is uh, how I'm feeling about um, uh, this interaction I have with this other person or whatever. So that's where our conversations start to start to go. Yeah. All right. That's fine.